0: Thanks for taking the time to listen to our latest content here on the Blood Red channel. Guy here with just a quick message. Do you want the very latest Liverpool FC news directly into your inbox? Well then sign up to our daily LFC newsletter which will bring you the breaking news and big events from around Anfield. To subscribe just go to bit.ly forward slash LFC newsletter that's bit.ly forward slash LFC newsletter or click the link in the description of this podcast and pop in your email address. It really is that simple. That link once more bit.ly forward slash LFC newsletter. Well thanks for your time
1: and on with the podcast. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield.
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Blood Red podcast with me, Matt Addison. We've already given you the lowdown on players being linked with Liverpool in Spain, Germany and France. And If you've missed any of those episodes, you can listen to all of those in exactly the same place as where you downloaded this episode from. On previous shows, I've spoken to various experts about names such as Timo Werner, Jadon Sancho, Kylian Mbappe, Houssem Awar and Ferran Torres, all players who would potentially arrive at Anfield this summer. But there are, of course, players in the other top five European leagues, Serie A, that the Reds are said to be taking a look at. And for the latest instalment of this mini-series of transfer specials that we've been bringing you, we're going to travel to Italy, not literally, of course, just over the phone. And to talk all things Italian football, I have alongside me freelance Serie A writer, Chloe Beresford. Chloe, thank you so much for joining us and, and welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on.
0: Before we uh, we move on with the rest of the podcast, I think it would be wrong of me not to ask about the, the situation in Italy at the moment, you know, in, in terms of coronavirus and, you know, firstly, just away from football for a second, I mean, what is the situation at the moment in Italy in terms of the severity of the pandemic?
1: I mean, of course, Italy um, has been very badly affected. We saw um, an awful lot of cases before it started to get bad in the UK. Um, they they have seen uh, a fall in those cases. I think the deaths were up at around uh, sort of eight nine hundred a day, and they've come down to about four hundred. And I think the level of new cases is is coming down as well. So, um, but they they have been on a, a strict lockdown Dan, uh since I think the beginning of March, so before us. Um and they're talking about from um from the beginning of May just slightly easing it a little bit. Um you know they've not really been allowed to exercise far from their house. They have had to stay within so many metres of the house and only going out for prescriptions or shopping. So it it has been a harsher lockdown than ours and it and it is going to be eased slightly but um I think like everywhere really is still a long way to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, from from what I've seen and heard, I mean, Italy's been among the, the countries most hit by the coronavirus and, you know, it, it must be a really difficult time for, for everyone over there.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially um, in the Lombardy region, which is uh, sort of where Milan is um, and um, unfortunately, Bergamo has been uh, very badly hit. It's It's quite a small town, but... Um, Atalanta played Valencia in the Champions League just before um, everybody was really aware of the severity and the uh, sort of how easily spread the virus is. Um, but they played it because their own ground was not suitable for Champions League football yet. Um, they played it at San Siro, which um, is, I think, it's been cited as one of the reasons why Bergamo has been hit so badly because Milan was sort of the centre of the virus and. About a third of the town of Bergamo travelled to watch the game. So they all sort of caught it from being in Milan. Uh, and and then, you know, they, just their, their health system and their hospitals in Bergamo just has not been able to cope at all. So it's terribly sad, um, you know, what's happened to them as a result.
0: Yeah, it's it's really horrible and, and difficult to talk about, isn't it? But just to, to sort of think about, about football for a second, and of course it, it goes without saying that, that sport is nowhere near as important as, as people's lives and, and well-being. But you know, we've started to see in England now that the Premier League seems to be Putting plans in place for a return to action, and you know, at the time of recording, and this podcast is is going out in a few days' time. But you know, it seems like Serie A bosses are, are doing something similar. Um, can you fill us in with the the latest in terms of when Italian clubs might be allowed back to training, and and maybe when the the season might be resuming?
1: Yeah, um, with the re- relaxation of the lockdown rules, um, they they said that. Um, people could train individually from the 4th of May but they've actually, it's been a bit controversial, but they've excluded um, football from that um, I guess just because there are so many players, um, you know it, it's a lot bigger than other sports so they've actually said that um, team sports like football uh, can, can start training from the 16th of May um, but they've made it very clear that that does not mean that the league is coming back, Um the uh the FIGC which is like the Italian FA have put some um proposals forward um which the Italian uh, scientists have said are not sufficient you know to assure the safety of not only the players but of the staff the rest of the staff that would need to be in the stadium if football were to resume behind closed doors so they've got to come back to them with a with a fresh suggestion um and i think Having heard the news about France, um, that that there's going to be no action, uh, at least until September, um, I think the Italian sports minister has sort of pricked his ears up and, and said, well, Italy could potentially go the same way. So, you know, it's all up in the air. And of course, it, as is completely normal with Italy everything is discussed in in public so we're hearing all the back and two and all the negotiations uh out there in the press so you know at the moment it's still very uncertain as to as to what's going to happen with Italy
0: yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the, the situation develops and, and hopefully in terms of the virus, of course, it, it calms down sooner rather than later and we can just get back to normality again and that includes, of course, football and, and all those things that we take for granted during normal circumstances, but uh, we'll move on then to the the next part of the show and as I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk through a few different players who've Been linked with moves to Liverpool from Syria and across Italy over the last few months. And we'll begin, I think, with a player who listeners of the Analyzing Anfield show with Josh Williams and Dave Hughes will be very familiar with. A really interesting podcast for those of you who've never listened in before. It's well worth doing so. And uh, the player is Fiorentina's attacker, Federico Chiesa. I mean, firstly, Chloe, he's someone who, you know, I've been aware of him for a little while now, but I've always thought of him more as a, a wide player, a winger more than... Than anything else but you know from from what I've heard he started to play a little bit more down the middle of late I mean would that be correct
1: yeah, um, I mean, since uh, the start of this season, they've been playing a little bit more of a, a three-five-two formation. Um, so they, he's been he's been playing sort of a, as a, a secondary striker in the front two. Um, but he, he can play either really. He can play either way. Um, and obviously, he's he's familiar to people because um, of his his father, Enrico Chiesa, was very famous in the nineties. Played for Fiorentina himself, and he played. Um, for Palmer, when Palmer were a really good and exciting team so I think he's, he's probably risen to prominence a little bit more quickly than another player in his position perhaps would have done just mainly because of his famous name
0: Yeah I mean you mentioned the, the versatility and I think that's something that maybe would appeal to Liverpool in that he could play maybe wide or, or maybe through the middle I mean is there a player stylistically that you could say, you know, he not necessarily from Liverpool either, maybe from, from elsewhere that, that he's maybe similar to who maybe if, if listeners have not seen him before, you know, there, there might be somebody else who they might have seen a little bit more of that they might be able to compare him to?
1: <laughs> it's hard to say really, because <laughs> I guess I mainly focus on Serie A, so I'm not I'm not too sure if there's a similar player in the Premier League. Um what I would say is that he's um you know, if you've seen Clips, short clips of him either on YouTube or on Twitter. It's it's very easy to get carried away with. He he has moments of sheer, sheer brilliance, and and it makes for a very good sort of short montage. Um, But if you watch, if you watch a a full Fiorentina match, he's actually (laughs) quite a frustrating player. Um, He he sort of shoots when he should pass um he passes when probably he needs to shoot his decision making is isn't the best um and you know he he has still got a very long way to go i would say in in his development the raw talent is there um but watching 90 minutes does give you a different impression of of what he's actually like and um i think he has been one of these players that's perhaps been a little bit overhyped
0: it's interesting that you say that because, you know, as you were describing the, the sort of incorrect decision making at certain times, it it almost reminded me in a, in some ways of, of Mohamed Salah at times before he sort of emerged and, and became the player that he is now. I mean, do you think maybe Chiesa is somebody who, you know, under better management, maybe if he had a Jurgen Klopp or, or Pep Guardiola or someone he could maybe... Take his his game to the next level and and maybe improve that. Do you think there is yeah. the sort of yeah. the ceiling I, I, and scope to do that?
1: I do think so. I don't. I I I think it's a uh, a bit of a leap to compare him to Salah. I'm not sure he's quite on that level. Um, but yeah, he's he's got potential. He's got bags of potential, and I think under, um, some some really good coaching. He, he could definitely um blossom into a, a really special player um he does actually speak english because although he's been brought up in italy he went to um his father thought it was important for him to learn english so he went to a school that spoke english and um, so you know he's, he's he's quite well prepared in in that respect um but uh, i guess you know he's his his dad obviously is a an ex-footballer and he's very he sort of manages his son and he's very astute and aware so I think he would maybe um be a little bit careful that he doesn't make um the big leap too soon um you know it it's it's a tricky one isn't it because like you say with better coaching and, and um you know Better sort of standards all around him. He could he could really develop, but um, he's he's one of those funny players that could definitely go either way. He could definitely be one of those who's full of promise and and never quite lived up to it. Um, but equally, he could he could really kick on and and become something, you know, a player that people talk about for years to come.
0: Yeah just looking at his record this season it's it's decent enough seven goals five assists and he's already got 17 caps for for Italy at the age of 22 i mean yeah does he does does he have a release clause and and if not i mean how much do you think you know if liverpool were to to go for him how much do you think they'd have to pay uh
1: he doesn't have a release clause um he um Fiorentina have been taken over now. Um I think it would have been easier to get hold of him under the previous regime and now they've been taken over by an American who is um is you know a very wealthy sort of businessman who's made his his money elsewhere. Um and I I think he is not willing to let Chiesa go unless it's for decent money because he can afford to to reject lower offers. So I think he's he's mentioned in the past something like maybe seventy or eighty million Euros, which is you know, is quite a lot for a player who's I mean obviously he's still very young but um for me that seems like quite a high fee for somebody that might not yet make the big time.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned that big fee and I think, you know, the immediate thought with that is it would probably have to be a, a Premier League club who would spend that sort of money. I mean, do you think he's a player who would fit in in the Premier League or, or do you think he's maybe better suited to to staying in Italy in terms of just the way that he plays and, and his style? Um,
1: I think he would probably need to um, toughen up and bulk up a little bit maybe if he was to play in the Premier League. Uh, you know, he... he's he's quite sort of lightweight and uh, obviously gets fouled quite a lot um, at the moment. I think there is talk of him going to Juventus and I think they're probably, either them or Inter, are the only Italian clubs that could possibly uh, take him off Fiorentina's hands. Uh, Yeah, and and other than that, it would have to be the Premier League because I just don't see uh, another club, you know, another division paying that amount of money.
0: Yeah, really interesting. But we'll uh, we'll move on to the the second player on on the list, and, and that's Joachim Correa, who's another player who's been linked with Liverpool. Sort of reports emerging over the weekend that he could potentially be an alternative to, to RB Leipzig's Timo Werner this summer, but he'd cost around €70 million, euros, according to those reports coming out of Italy, Chloe. And, you know, it, it's a similar sort of price tag, if you like, to, to what we talked about with Chiesa. Do you think Correa is... Is worth anything like that sum, and, and could you see any team, be it Liverpool or, or somebody else, maybe making a move at that cost?
1: Um, I think I think that is quite a high valuation. Obviously, uh, last year we've been doing pretty well, and um, you know he's he's playing in a in a system that works. It's been perfected over uh, three seasons, and they've they've really started to blossom this season. He's playing around some really excellent players. Um and, and that's probably given him a lift. I think at the probably at the present moment he's probably better than Chiesa. He's probably got more um end product. But um where he's he's probably I would say he's not got the potential that Chiesa has to to improve beyond that level. So maybe in that respect it is it is quite a high a high fee. Um but you know you just never know with these players, do you? I mean, when they move to a different division, it it could be totally different. He's, he's playing in a, like I say, in a system that really, really works. Um, so, a lot of players sort of raise their game in, in that respect. And they're playing, they're, they're basically pushing for the title. I mean, they, as as when the league stopped, they're in second place, and I, I think they've got a game in hand. So, you know, they they really have done well this season. So, um, whether that could be replicated elsewhere, you you just don't know. I mean, Atalanta are a team that have done brilliantly well, um, and they've they've sold players for for big fees to other clubs, um, mainly in Italy, and they they've just not. Been the same because a part of their brilliance is the system. So,
0: yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to to see, isn't it? And if if someone does come in for him, I think that they would be getting a decent player. I mean, I I remember seeing him first hand at Anfield a couple of seasons ago when he played for Sevilla. He scored the the equaliser in that two two game in twenty seventeen, which I think was Jürgen Klopp's first Champions League game with Liverpool. And to me on that night he was one who stood out. I mean Sevilla have got a few good players of course, but he looked sort of real sort of direct. He looked like he he had a bit of pace about him. I mean, would that be a fair assessment?
1: Absolutely, yeah. And I think I think um in that way that's that's what I mean about is he's, he's at the moment he's got more end product than Chiesa. He's he's more direct, he's more sort of focused on um he's he's got that better decision making basically that um he's just he's he's more ready now for the Premier League. He'd need less development time I would say than Chiesa um, but like I say I don't know what his ceiling is Chiesa's could be higher in the long run it depends whether you, you want success now or an, a, a long term investment kind of thing.
0: Yeah certainly interesting to, to see where he goes and or if indeed he goes anywhere of course he left Spain as I said a, a couple of seasons ago and I mean how would you sum up his time in, in Italy so far I think Liverpool, it, it would be a good thing in a, in a sense that he's been experienced in in Spain. He's then moved to Italy, and then if he was to come to England, he'd have a broad range of, of sort of experiences to draw upon. But you know, you mentioned his ceiling. I mean, how highly rated is Correa in Italy at this moment in time?
1: Um, I guess, I guess maybe he's not talked about all that much because in his in his team at Lazio there are bigger stars, the you know Sergey Milinkovic Savic. Uh, there's Turo Immobile, who's just scoring goals for fun at the moment so he's he's not really taking the limelight because Lazio are very much um a, a sort of a team um and they 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 all sort of play for each other and it's it, the the ones that are picked out for their individual brilliance are much more obvious um but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you know just because the press don't don't focus on him that doesn't mean that he's not um, a really talented player, and I, you know, I think, like you say, he's shown his adaptability in moving to different countries. He's slotted in at Lazio, no problem. Um, you know, he's he's had a sub role as well as as well as a, a starting role. So he's obviously happy not to go straight in at the deep end. So yeah, it 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 could it could well be uh, a decent shout for Liverpool.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly keep an eye on him ahead of the summer. And if there is any news, you will hear about it across the Liverpool Echo first.
1: The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
0: The third player that I'd like to, to discuss with you, Chloe, is, is Marcelo Brozovic from, from Inter Milan. He's a player who's sort of been linked sporadically with Liverpool for a good few months now. And it, to be honest, it, it's not a player that I can say I've seen a great deal of. So, what sort of player is he, first of all?
1: um well his his role um has been adapted a little bit and and that was under Inter's previous manager which was Luciano Spalletti um and he came up with the idea of dropping him um deeper in the midfield sort of more as a holding player but not only in the holding role but as a as a playmaker as well um and he i have to say that, that it really brought him on he was Sort of known as a, a fairly average ish midfielder before that, but but now he's um he's sort of the linchpin in the way that inter work. He he's um obviously he's 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 tough in the tackle, he, he, perfect, he protects the defense really well, but his distribution and his passing is really accurate. He's He's the sort of player that. Um, everything goes through and he's he's really sort of stepped up to the challenge and he's, you know, got a good attitude and, you know, he he, he was a, a leading figure for Croatia as well when they got to the World Cup final. So he, he's he, you know, he he is um again somebody who's maybe not talked about all that much, but he's somebody who has, has really uh shone in a in a sort of a quietish way in, in Serie A.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that he's been playing quite well. I mean, there's sort of reports suggesting that he's got a £52 million release clause. Would you say he's worth that? Or is there any chance that that Inter would let him go for less if, if Liverpool were to negotiate?
1: I don't know. I mean, obviously, at the moment, it's it's a very difficult situation. Nobody knows what the transfer market's going to look like, sort of, with with clubs um, struggling for revenue. Uh, I know in Italy that if the season's not completed, they've got to renegotiate the TV rights deal and things like that. So clubs are, are going to have less income. So maybe before this, I would say that Inter will probably definitely hold out for the full fee. But as clubs become less financially. Stable than they were, maybe they would accept Blower. I just don't know, but um, he'd he'd certainly be worth a decent sum of money. And I think with the way that Liverpool play and that uh, that Klopp plays, he'd he'd be um, the sort of hard worker that would really fit well into the, into that kind of system and that kind of approach. Um, you know, he gives he gives everything every game, and he's he's just you know he just kind of goes about his business he's he's no-nonsense but he's also you know he is also talented he's he's scored some decent goals and um you know he, he he's he's capable of playing further forward because of his skill level but having dropped him back is is where he's he's really come into himself
0: Yeah, you mentioned that he was dropped back into a sort of holding position. I mean, with Liverpool, the the number six normally is, of course, Fabinho, who sort of plays that role on his own. I mean, would Brozovic play maybe as one of the the number eights in a Jurgen Klopp system, or is he one of those who would either have to play on his own as the number six or or maybe alongside Fabinho, maybe in in more of a 4-2-3-1 formation? Do you think maybe, you know, he would be a replacement for Fabinho or, or could they both play alongside each other
1: yeah I mean he's, he's obviously adaptable because he, he's really slotted into that change of role he, he could he has played alongside another midfielder in the in a four two three one. um Spalletti himself played that formation quite a lot so yeah he's you know he's used to that and he could do that I, I think um he, he's definitely a player that would be worth it just for his, his versatility, his work rate and his skill all, all in one, really. He's, you know, I, I I think very highly of him in general.
0: From the way that you've described him, he sort of strikes me as being maybe a little bit similar to Gini May Maybe would that be a, an accurate sort of thing to to compare him to?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, Jorginho played um, that similar role for Napoli um, and, uh, I think he's kind of done similar at Chelsea, where it's almost like the midfield metronome that keeps everything ticking. But with Brozovic, he's got a little bit more grit than that. He's got those kind of um, players who are very passing-minded. He's he's tougher than that. I mean, obviously being Croatian, he's um, they've they've kind of got that mindset of of being tough, and he's he's definitely he's definitely got that in them. He can win the ball back really easily, and then recover stand up and then place an accurate pass so I guess that's how I'd describe him really
0: yeah and just a a last question really on Brozovic I mean you you mentioned that he's tough and he's quite a physical player so do you think he'd be suited to the Premier League and and a Jurgen Klopp team or I mean I know Barcelona have been linked with him as well do you think he'd be better suited maybe to to Spanish football or or would English football be the place best for him
1: i think english football would be better to be honest if he was to, if he was to move away um, he he's he's just got that um he's just got that approach that's that would work quite well in england um it, i mean it is a bit more physical and it's um a bit tougher isn't it so i think yeah definitely better england than spain if he was to move
0: yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, we'll move on then to uh, another midfielder in Nicolo Borea, four years younger than Mo- uh, Marcelo Brozovic is. And Liverpool seemingly linked with him since he was about 15 or 16, it yeah. seems. I mean, it, there's always been links to England, but Liverpool in particular. And if, this is a player who I've heard as being the next Andrea Pirlo for as long as I can remember now. I mean, has he come close to, to sort of fulfilling that tag?
1: Uh no, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so. He's I mean he's he's definitely uh, he's another player who's still young. He's definitely um a bright talent. He's he's worked really well in Antonio Conte's system and he plays um a little bit further forward than than Brozovic. Um but obviously Conte plays a a 3-5-2, so they've got the they've got that three in midfield with Brozovic further back, and then there's um, Borello and Stefano Sensi, who who is a, another player that Inter have plucked from further down the league and and has worked really well. Um, I would say about Borello, he's um, he's another player who's who's quite tough in the tackle. Um, he's he's uh, I'd say better sort of running with the ball and taking it forward um, than um Brozovich. Yeah, so he's he's better at running forward taking the ball forward um but the the thing I would say about Barello is that he's got a lot to learn in terms of um discipline he, he gets booked quite a lot he um he also um probably falls over when he should be trying to stay on his feet um so he he's got he's definitely got room for improvement and and room to learn so um but I mean he, he was very tied to his first club Calli, that was his like his hometown club and it was a big wrench for him to leave there. I mean, even though he was, like you say, very heavily linked with the Premier League. I think Chelsea as well as Liverpool he was linked with. Um but now he's made that move away from Calliory. Um, you know, he could he could be open to to other things now I think the the most difficult thing was getting him away from Caleri because he was he was his heart was definitely there in his hometown so um, yeah he's uh, definitely another interesting player another one that's already featured for Italy and is probably the future of Italy Um, yeah he's he's exciting
0: yeah, one to watch, definitely. I mean, just having a look at sort of his career path, you know, in, in preparation for, for speaking to you. And I mean, it looks like he's on loan at Inter Milan from Cagliari at the moment, which, I mean, that sounds like it should probably be the other way around to me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what what is what is the situation?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of deals like that in Italy where he um, it's like a, a loan with an option to buy. Or it's usually, um, sorry, an obligation to buy rather than an option. So although it's, it's technically um, a loan, they've, they've already um, promised and, it, and it's legally binding that they will purchase him at the end of that spell. And it's, it's, I think it's about FFP really and just balancing the books a little bit so that they don't have too much expenditure all in one season. Um, I think that's, that's basically why they do it. Um, and so although he's sort of officially still um, a Calwood player on loan he he is more or less owned by inter i guess that obligation will be at the end of this season, i would think um but yeah, I guess inter at the moment can't technically sell him because um as far as the contract is concerned he would still be on loan
0: yeah in terms of the the technicalities and that sort of thing obviously we we don't know exactly what is in that contract but i mean let's suppose that the inter do sign him permanently this summer do you think there's then a chance that liverpool could if they wanted to go in and and buy him straight away or is is that something that that could happen
1: uh, yeah possibly again we we don't know with the with the situation whether inter would be keen to sell or um i think you know antonio conte um as as premier league fans will know from his time with chelsea he's a very uh, intense coach he knows what he wants and he'll he'll already have an idea of who we'll want to keep and who um he thinks that it, it, you know he doesn't want to continue with. Um, I have no no indication that he doesn't want to continue with Borella. I think that it's probably it's worked pretty well for him. And um, you know Conte isn't really an easy coach to work with in that sense because he is so intense. I mean, he, he, you know, he came into Inter at the beginning of the season and he immediately. Uh, got rid of Mauro Riccardi and, and Rajon Nangalan and Ivan Perisic, all who were key players for Inter, but players that he decided he didn't want to work with. So, you know, he, he's quite bold in his, uh, you, you're either in or you're out. So, <laughs> um, in that respect, if he decides that he just doesn't want to work with a player like Barella anymore, then, you then Inter would respond and sell him because they want the success that Conte brings. So they, they listen to him with who he wants and who he doesn't want.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned that Antonio Conte is very intense. And, of course, if Berea was to move to, to Liverpool, he would have another intense coach in uh, in <laughs> Jurgen Klopp. So we'll see if, if that happens. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's certainly interesting talking about Italian football and Italian footballers as well, because, you know, Liverpool don't necessarily have the best record in the world with Italian imports when you think of the likes of Alberto Aquilani, Mario Balotelli, but... Certainly Mohamed Salah has been a huge success so it's not all bad and it will be interesting to to see if Liverpool do go for any of the players we've spoken about be that this summer or, or some stage in the future but before we uh, end the podcast I think it's worth us having a quick conversation about a couple of players with Liverpool connections who are, are out in Italy at the moment. Um, and we'll, we'll start with Spanish attacking midfielder Luis Alberto, who has sort of been in the, the news recently as somebody who maybe could move on from Lazio and, and give Liverpool a, a bit of a boost, really, in terms of, you know, they, they could net a 30% sell on clause if he does leave his current club. But he didn't have the best of times at Anfield, Chloe, but it seems to be going really well for, for Alberto at Lazio.
1: Yeah, I mean um, that's you know that's a massive bonus for Liverpool having that thirty percent. It probably uh, didn't seem a lot at the time because he he didn't work that well, did he, in England? But um, he's he's gone to Lazio and he's just improved year on year. Um, I mean, Simone Inzaghi is the coach at Lazio, and, and as I mentioned before, they've got a lot of very good players and and. Each season, he's had three seasons in charge, and in this third season, they've really exploded. And um, Luis Alberto leads the league in assists. I think he's got twelve assists uh, and four goals of his own. So he's 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 providing um, a lot of the chances that are, are scored easily by the likes of Churro and Um And you know, he's he, like I say, he's just improved every single year, and he's he really seems like a good fit for Lazio and and um now now all the their eyes are on him and um there might be interest from sort of bigger places and and with that would come a, a big transfer fee, I guess.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems like he could be in demand this summer. I mean who do you think might make a move for him and you know, where it might be best for him to end up? I mean, quite often we see, you know, a, a Juventus might come in and, and steal the best players from some the rest of Italy. I mean, would that be a likely destination?
1: Um Juventus are very careful who they who they sign. They're very um Astute in their signings, and I—I I don't. They're not the kind of club that would go for a player from um, a title rival because I think they recognise that some players they, they just work well, they just click at certain clubs, and I—I I just don't see Juve going for a player like Luis Alberto. Um, Inter could, you know, they could be a club who who would be interested in a player like that. You know that it's difficult in Italy because um, not not a lot of the clubs would have the money to take the the very best players from from other clubs you're always looking at abroad and then then you get the problem of well he didn't do very well in england so um english clubs might be a little bit wary um he could go back to spain of course um you know that's that's where he's from and i could see a spanish club definitely being interested in it in a player like him um yeah i mean they they'd, they'd be mad not to really he's you know he's he's just uh he's just done ever so well and and yeah i i think maybe a Spanish club would might be an option i suppose just depends on the fee.
0: Yeah, I mean, from the sounds of it, it's going to be a fairly big fee. And from a Liverpool perspective, at least, that would be a good thing. Of course, as we mentioned, that 30% sell-on clause. And, uh, you know, the the other player with with Liverpool connections that I'm sure Reds fans will be interested in hearing about is is Bobby Duncan, of course, won the FA Youth Cup with Liverpool in his only season with the club, but then forced his way out in a a little bit of an unsavoury manner, I think it's fair to say. I mean, how has he been getting on?
1: um he's been playing um solely in the youth team for fiorentina he's not um made a first team start um i think he 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 did quite well at first i think he scored a few goals at first but then i think i read since december he's not scored again so i i've heard some sort of rumblings that fiorentina might be looking to sell him on because i think there was some discrepancy in in the expectations, I think he expected to come in and be part of the first team squad and obviously that's not been the case um, it, it, it may be just one of those things that just some kind of miscommunication, I think he's sacked his agent now um, and, and, and it's just not worked the way it was expected to you know for a young lad like that it's probably quite a big adjustment going to going to live in Italy and um, if he thought he was going to be in with a chance of making the first team and and then he was stuck in the youth team it you know he's probably quite disheartened so I can't I can't see that that relationship is going to continue in the long term um, unfortunately so I guess I guess he could be heading back to England at some point
0: yeah, it's a player with, with huge talent, but maybe hasn't been managed in the, the best possible way. I mean, Sunderland were one of the teams reportedly interested in, in maybe taking him on loan in January, and ultimately that didn't happen. But do you think maybe there's a chance that he could be sort of loaned out to a maybe a Sunderland or, or maybe a championship club? Or, you know, where do you think he might head next? I mean, obviously having left Liverpool, that was a big thing for him. I mean, this next move really has to work for him, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's kind of like make or break, isn't it, I think. Um, Unless, unless he's, he's really taken to life in Italy, um, which, it it doesn't, on the, on the face of it, it doesn't seem like it has, because he's, obviously his goals drop right off after Christmas, etc. Um, I would I would say he's probably looking to return to England and and if a club like Sunderland were willing to take him on then um, that was that's probably right now his best option because um, if he was to be loaned out in Italy it would probably be to a, a smaller like a Serie B club um, and you know. it it's, that's not going to be the glamorous life in Italy you perhaps thought it was going to be. So, uh, yeah, I think probably the best the best move for everybody concerned is for him to come back to England. And I'm sure there'll be clubs dotted about that would be interested in taking him.
0: Yeah, certainly yeah. a player with a great deal of talent and, and hopefully it works out for him somewhere. But uh, the the final player that I want to discuss, I mean, Philippe Coutinho, of course, not been a Liverpool player for a long time, but it wouldn't be a blood red podcast without Coutinho's name popping up these days. It's a, a player that that Liverpool fans really do still hold an interest in, and we've heard a lot of things about where we might end up. The latest being that that Chelsea were thought to be leading the race, maybe have moved on to other targets, and and certainly Liverpool don't really hold any interest. I mean. In terms of Italian clubs, do you think there's any chance that that Coutinho could go back to Italy? Maybe an Inter or, or Juventus could come in for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on the the money and the salary, doesn't it? I guess um, probably um, the, the, as good as sort of uh, Napoli I'd say have been, they they wouldn't have the the finances to take a player like that. Um, you know, Milan have fallen a long way. They they're trying to cut costs um it it really probably would be a case of either Juve or Inter um as i said Juve are very very careful about their transfers um he'd he'd have to be exactly the right fit for the team in order for him for them for them to take him on they wouldn't just buy him just for the name is is what i'm trying to say um inter yeah um i'm sure i'm sure they'd be they'd be happy to welcome him there it's you know, it's it's just a case of if who's got the funds. But to me, it, it would seem a much more likely fit for a club in England who've maybe got a, a larger budget to uh, to be looking to take him. I guess somewhere like Chelsea would would make more sense to me uh, in that respect.
0: Yeah, certainly one that Liverpool fans will keep an eye on and really interesting stuff all across this podcast, I'm sure that the listeners will agree, but I think that just about rounds off what we've got time for today and it leaves me to to say thank you very much to, to Chloe for joining me.
1: No problem, thanks.
0: And thanks to you, as ever, at home for for tuning in. We do hope that you're getting through these difficult times and and hopefully the football will be back sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, keep your eyes on the Liverpool Echo website and everyone at Blood Red will have all of the updates for you, transfer news and, and everything else besides as soon as we have it. For now, though, that's all from myself and Chloe for your latest Blood Red podcast. And we've got plenty more content lined up for you too. As ever, if you'd like to hear anything more or anything different that we don't already do, just let us know in all of the usual places. But until next time, it's goodbye for now.
1: You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.